Welcome to the Peer Bound Podcast. I'm your host, Sunny Manivanan. Joining me today is Nisha Bakshi, the head of community and digital customer success at Gong. Nisha is a firm believer in the power of community and is passionate about bringing people together to achieve common goals. Throughout her career, Nisha has developed programs and frameworks at some of the world's most prolific software companies like IBM, Microsoft, Salesforce, and Facebook. In her current role at Gong, Nisha oversees Gong's best practices community and the digital customer success team that leverages technology and automation to deliver highly personalized and proactive experiences for customers along their journey with Gong. Nisha, I'm so excited to have you with me on the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Sunny. I'm so excited to chat today. Great. Great to have you aboard. I want to start at the beginning of your career, which I believe started at IBM writing customer stories. So tell me about how you found that job. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I mean, gosh, that was 20 plus years ago. But if I dig deep enough in my brain, so I was in college. It was in between my sophomore and junior year summer. And I had already just came off the heels of an internship with Congressman Jan Schakowsky. Then I thought I was going to be a lawyer and go into family law. And I thought it was a really good opportunity to get involved with the community, maybe in politics one day. And then quickly realized that wasn't for me. And I was already kind of on the heels of doing either one of those things. And I said, you know, I've heard a lot, especially from my dad. He's always given me books on sales and marketing, that that could be a really interesting path for me. So I saw on our college job board that there was an internship at IBM for a semester or actually over the summer. And I thought, why don't I go ahead and apply? And I found out that there was one spot And I was competing with lots of students from all over the Chicago area because it was an in-person thing. And for whatever reason, they decided to pick me. And it was amazing. And it was only supposed to be a summer internship and ended up being two years. And I'm probably one of the first remote internships ever (laughs) in the year 2005. They gave me a computer. They were like, just dial in. I had the opportunity to meet with different engagement managers as soon as they came off the engagement with IBM Business Consulting Group and I meet them and I would ask them what worked, what problem they were solving for, what were the business benefits, quantifiable benefits. I'd get some quotes and then I would basically, because it's IBM, I would do the interview, write up my notes, send it to actually a writing team who would then formally create a case study and a reference And by the time that I had left IBM, we had over a hundred references because I was there for two years. And this is what I did. I was getting paid $13 an hour, which was a lot for a college student. So I did that for two years. It was really fun. And that got me into customer success. That got me into marketing and consulting, just really understanding the broader go-to-market perspective and the business challenges that people have and the different types of solutions that you could bring to those challenges. So feel really fortunate for having gone through that. It's incredible that you were just so prolific at creating these stories and doing that while, you know, you were still effectively in college. What did that teach you about just the working world? I mean, this is your first experience. Tell me more about that. I mean, that was my first grown-up job. Like everyone that I spoke to had decades of experience. And these were all engagement managers, right? So they had lots of individuals on their team reporting to them. And they were responsible for large projects, six, nine, you know, 12 month or or longer projects. And it was really fascinating to hear about some deep ingrained challenges that companies have that are like very structural 
and seeing how a large company, large enterprise like IBM can actually be solution for that. And then also I realized that a lot of challenges are also cultural and can also be solved very easily through processes, the old like people process systems tools. So building out, understanding how consultants would build out these frameworks and then understand okay, well, what needs to evolve here so that the business can meet its challenges. And actually that's what led me. I had several choices after I graduated from college, if I wanted to go into marketing, into consulting, I actually got an offer with the IBM sales division. And I actually chose the consulting route because I thought that this was a really good baseline setting for career growth and development, but then realized very quickly that that was not as interesting to me. So basically going back over the course of my career, I'd end up going back and go to market. I want to take a few leaps forward and ask you about Gong. So you joined Gong now, I believe about three years ago, and you start off as the head of community. How did they find you or how did you find them? And what attracted you about this role at the time? I think if you could take the quote, this is all about relationships and then attribute it to every single person that joins your podcast, like 80% of people will say that that's what it is. But yes, that's how I found my job at Gong is, and I always tell people, people always say, what's the one piece of advice that you would give to somebody that is just starting out their career or you know, other women who want to follow in your footsteps and these types of things. And I always just say the same thing is be genuine and be nice. And it's so easy. At some point, someone that works for you could end up being your boss or you could end up building a partnership and it all hinges on this person that you worked with 15 years ago. And so going back to your question is uh, somebody that I worked with at Salesforce actually ended up referring me to this role at Gong. Him and I had stayed in touch and I actually didn't even know that this was an open role within Gong. And he had said, I think that you should actually apply here. And I was a Gong customer and it actually ended up working really nicely. And he, at the time, he's not Gong anymore, but he was our VP of product marketing. So he was sort of the number two after our CMO. I also, by the way, have been such a happy Gong customer, so many different jobs, and it's such an incredible, useful product. Oh, love to hear it. Totally. I agree. Tell me a little bit about, you know, you come in, you're the head of community. What was the status quo at that time? What did you feel the business needed? And where is it now three years later? It was clear that a community was needed because people were like actively reaching out to our C-suite and saying, do you know of other customers that are leveraging Gong for X? So Gong is such a intricate tool that you can use it for almost anything. And understanding people's use cases and personas and where they are, what type of company that they're part of and seeing if there's other people like they're out that and seeing, hey, like what buttons did that person press and go to get that result? And so there was that need and that was the business gap that we were filling. And so that's why we created this best practice community where people could share that. So inherently the scope and what we were trying to solve for was very deep and intrinsic around the value that customers are getting around adoption that we want to see our customers actually achieve. So to make a long story short, there was two major things that I had to do was basically go on a roadshow, both with our top customers, as well as internally within Gong to say, this is generally what community does, but more listening and much less talking. I had like 10 ears and like half of a mouth at that time. (laughs) 
and really say, what would be beneficial to you? How can I help you? And then based on that, reverse engineered and built the community, right? You'd never build a product without product market fit and doing, you know, those kind of interviews. And similarly with community, community is actually a product in and of itself. So same with community is making sure that you have the right fit and the right features to solve for those problems. I love that you talked about community as a product in and of itself. So you're the product manager. You're going out and doing effectively customer discovery, both internally and externally. Was there anything surprising that you found? A lot of people didn't realize that there were formal ways that you could build a community without having like a million resources, right? So when people think of community, they think of, you know, the Trailblazer community, which you can see, but that's a Trailblazer community bag behind me. My old team at Salesforce, not on that particular team, but I was in the developer marketing team adjacent. But it is absolutely possible to build out an engine that does impact in a positive way our business level, board level metrics from support, from sales being a touch point in the sales cycle, product and feature requests and feature development. Branding is a huge deal, especially in the early stages. Any startup company always thinks about, is there already a category? Most people prefer startups will say, okay, no, we need to build this category. And to me, category creation equals content plus community. So having solid content, having a solid community equals excellent branding. So it it can either be plus or equals branding, but ultimately having all of that really helps shape both product development, but also those intrinsic business goals that your business is, is just trying to achieve. So yeah, I think that there's a lot around creating that structure that is so so important. And I have multiple frameworks that I always share with our teams. You said a whole bunch of things that are really, really fascinating. I want to dig deeper into this idea that category creation is content and community. What was the timeline of category creation at Gong? So conversation intelligence, at least from my sort of outsider's point of view, seems to be the category that Gong has spent a lot of resources really investing in creating. And by the way, now I think people recognize it as its own category and as a must-have category for revenue teams. What was the timeline of that? Tell me about how you fit your community vision into that broader vision of creating the category. Actually, to answer that question, I think you have to go back one other job before Gong, because I was actually there and built and created a category as the first go-to-market executive hire at Monte Carlo around data observability. And so I was there as employee number eight and built a category that did not exist. We were trying to kind of figure out what the name would be. We had a few different options. And then that evolved from series A to series B over the roughly year that I was there. It was really amazing to see all of these other companies that were like, oh yeah, we're also in the data observability category. So I would say seeing that evolution depends on the market, but I would say it was, for us, it was like six months And I was shocked, actually, at how quickly it caught on. And I think it was because there were so many companies that were doing this, but they didn't have the content engine and the community engine to perpetuate the category in a way that people understood. Because people intrinsically knew this is a gap, this is a problem that we're solving for. But there was never truly a name. And so there was a lot of research that was done because of tools like Gong that we used at Monte Carlo for us to understand 
okay, is it data reliability? Is it data quality? Is it data observability? And then also understanding who our ICP was and then sort of connecting the dots with saying, okay, well, if our executive buyer and or admin understands a concept, so we borrowed from the concept of application observability, and that really helped shape the name of the category. And then once you gave it a name and your ICP and the primary personas related to it, then it just took off. Now you type in data observability anywhere and you'll find Monte Carlo at the top of the list. And that's because we did the research. And I think the website that is up now is the website that I built still. That was almost four years ago. It was four years ago. And I created the sitemap so that we would have like SEO privileges so that people could find it. So that took six months, less than that. Incredible. You know, coming back to the the tenure at Gong, you won an award in 2022, the Community of the Year Award for the Visioneers community. Tell me more about the name itself, which I love, and tell me what, at least in your view, made it award-winning. What did you do differently than everybody else that's trying to build a community? To be honest, that award was a surprise because I think a dozen other companies had been nominated as well. I didn't even know that we were nominated. And to be honest, I didn't even know that we won until like the next day. And I said, oh my God, we won this award. That's so great. Amazing. I think it's because when you build a community by working with the community to build it, it is more impactful. You know, people don't break what they build. How many times have you heard this saying? So many times because going back to what I said earlier on the call is when I chatted with people at Gong, so I was a roughly employee 500 at Gong, and I counted about 100 people within Gong helped stand up the community, 20% of the company, 100 people did something so that the community would actually exist, whether that was take a meeting with me or build an entire section that they are responsible for in the community, or just turn on our integration with Salesforce. Everybody did something. And that was the same with the community is I asked them, I asked people in all different segments of the business, people that had problems with Gong, people that left Gong, people that were always logging in. Everyone, I took as many viewpoints as possible. I had a hundred data points there as well. So a hundred data points here, another hundred data points here. That's 200 data points. That in and of itself ended up becoming its own word of mouth marketing channel about this community. And then when people go back to the community, when they see that it's actually solving for what they want, then they're like, okay, great. I see value in this. This is awesome. And every department saw, you know, our support team, case deflection, product team, feature requests that were valuable, our sales team, touch point in the sales cycle, everyone started seeing results. And then when you share that outwardly uh, and people look at the community, they think, oh, this is actually really cool. So that was the Gong community. And then about a year ago, we did a full customer rebrand to Visioneers. And Visioneers is, we'd always called our customers raving fans. And that's not, you know, our CEO said this to me directly in one of our one-on-ones. He had said, it's not fair to call every customer a raving fan because that's something that we have to earn. But every single person that is part of the Gong ecosystem is a visionary and is a pioneer in whatever it is that they're doing. And so we crafted the visioneer ecosystem, customer ecosystem, and that includes the community, but also includes the academy, which also includes our advocacy program, which also includes our help center and our support team. All of the customer experiences and programs 
all under one umbrella of the visionary ecosystem. I worked with Jane Menyo, our head of customer marketing, and this was a very heavy CS, customer success and marketing alignment here to build that world. And we're constantly evolving it. We're making some big updates to it in the next six to 12 months. So I'm excited to meet with you again and hear your feedback on it. But we knew that there was an opportunity here and that just brings people closer to the product. It's not, I am a customer and I'm in the community and I am taking classes in the academy and I've taken some certifications here. I talked to the support team in the help center. We really want it to be one seamless experience. And that's why I've taken on this additional role as digital customer success is there's the journey and the destination. So now we've built the destination, visionaires.com.io, but how do we build a journey and specifically for our customers in our scale segment, they don't have as many seats, but they want to be able to learn about and at a higher level, understand how from other customers that they can actually get to this higher product adoption and really get the value from our platform. Really incredible that over the course of the last three years, so many new initiatives around your customer community have not just emerged and launched, but actually you know, seen success and now scale. And this is against the backdrop of a company that's also growing pretty rapidly as well. How do you manage the challenge of the company itself growing sort of building the plane as you're flying it at the same time. Tell me about what that feels like, especially, you know, a company that's growing as fast as McGongas. Yeah, I think honestly is constantly going on roadshows and explaining and re-explaining because as the company is growing, that means more people, different new departments, new department heads, changes in leadership. And it's so important to have those conversations. In fact, my roadshow starts tomorrow internally within Gong. It's been maybe six months to a year since I've given a formal update on where we are as a business and how people can help. And so I would actually recommend that every six months in an organization our size, I think we're 12, 1300 people, 13, 1400 people, somewhere around there, is just continue to have conversations and educate and re-educate people, not just new individual contributors at the company but also reignite the excitement within other divisions and departments. I want to ask you a little bit now about careers and advice for people who are maybe just starting their careers or are early career. What would you say has led to your success over the last now, as you said at the beginning, 20 years? What advice would you have for folks that are just getting started in marketing maybe or in customer marketing, community marketing? I don't know where this comes from. And I've actually never given this answer before, but this is, I feel this very deeply. For some reason, people feel like they have to work really hard to be as well-rounded as possible and to learn things that they may not necessarily be good at. Like what I was telling you about being a management consultant. I was a fine consultant. You can look at my reviews. They were like, good, good job, Nisha. And I worked hard for it. And what I think people should always focus in on is where they feel the most comfortable in traction. And I believed earlier on in my career that I needed to challenge myself where I would see that there was a gap in the market for there's, oh, wow, this is a hot role right now. There's a big need for that. An example would be developer marketing. That is a freaking hard job. I did that for 10 years. I did developer platform evangelism for a really long time. The reason it's hard is because as a marketer, 
and your personality and what you naturally, most marketers tend to is here and developers are here on the other side. So if you can do developer marketing and bridge that gap, good on. And I knew that was a big challenge and I wanted to take that on. But as a marketer here, community is intrinsic to who you are. And so the fact that I was able to understand my personality and know who I am as a person, plus find a role that works well with that. And then on top of that at Gong, layering our product is for go-to-market teams. You know, everybody can use it, but it's mostly for salespeople. And I use it for marketing and customer success. And I built an entire go-to-market function from nothing. So all of that, I feel like was so helpful in my journey. So basically, it is a skill-based economy. And it is very important to hone in on skills that you are really good at. So don't worry about the company. Don't worry about the name. Don't worry about the size. Don't worry about how much you're getting paid. Don't worry about what's prestigious. Don't worry about what's cool right now. Worry about the skills that you're going to get and focus on skills, the things that you think you're naturally good at. That will get you even faster. If I did that, I think I'd be in a different place than I am. I would have passed through here probably, but I think that that's one big thing that I'd want people to learn is do what you're good at. I find that so valuable. And it's also rare to hear that, frankly. I think everybody says you got to be well-rounded. You got to do all these things. Everybody's got to know the basics, but the list of basics just keeps growing year after year. And you're coming in here saying, just find what you're naturally excited to work on. And that will help you develop in that area because you won't feel like you're working. I grew up in Silicon Valley. I grew up with people that are very you know, engineering heavy, quantitative data analysts, people that just think that way. And so I understood that persona, but I think I drive the most value because I'm so different than that. And people see that and they want to leverage that for their businesses. And if you give them the application of how to do that, I mean, I got my job at Microsoft because I was running a community meetup group for fun. I scaled that to 15,000 people. I was doing it for fun. The first Tuesday of every month, 200 plus people would meet at DLA Piper. This was before TechCrunch Disrupt, before any of this, and would share their startup company idea and would get feedback from the community. And people would actually launch their products at this company. In fact, the earlier version of Lyft Zimride did a launch and they use this meetup as that platform. And I was doing it for fun. I had no idea. Then someone at Microsoft was like, we can totally leverage this. You know, this is a job. But then I purposefully, I could have chosen more of the community angle, but I said, no, I should really challenge myself. And there's a gap and developer marketing could be great. I still get recruited for developer marketing roles. I've done it in five years, but I've done it at the top companies. So people are like, maybe she'll do it because there's not a lot of people in it. So I do think that that's something you should do. Skill-based economy, focus on skills, focus on what you're good at. And just to back up your point even more, throwing a, even a five-person party would scare me for days. And you are the exact opposite where 15,000 people, it's just another day's work. Oh, totally. I mean, I love that, right? And there's other things that people do all the time that I'm like, oh my God, this is really scary. I wouldn't want to do that. And you want to challenge yourself and you know, you do want to grow as a person, but I think people innately understand what they're good at and just finding applications for that. And if you're on a learning journey of who you are, focus on where you can apply those skills versus, I don't know anything about SEO. It's fundamental to marketing. I'm going to learn all about SEO. 
spend three days, take an online course on LinkedIn, read some blogs, and then just try it yourself. That's about as much as you need. You don't need to become an SEO consultant to do that. You know, you've been now doing this, like we said, for 20 plus years, and you worked with customers of some of the best companies in our industry. And you also had the privilege of seeing the last, you know, two decades unfold, just like I have. How are customers different? What are their expectations from their vendors today? Tell me more about what you're seeing from your vantage point. If you were to spend the money on a platform, so you decide to buy versus build, well, don't you believe, especially given how much the percentage of cost that the platform costs, don't you believe in a strong customer experience like that you'll be able to get your questions answered right away? Yes? 100%. And it's the same for a Google or a LinkedIn or Microsoft as a customer is you're paying the same amount per seat. So you expect that same level of quality. And now the challenge around that is, is that companies in order to scale can't assign an actual human being to every single customer. So who ends up getting a bigger book of business? Like what people end up having instead of saying, okay, well, you just get these top two or three accounts, you get a hundred accounts that you have to work with. And you won't get that same level of experience just because of, you know, person's time in the day. So what's so important is building a meaningful digital experience that is useful and on demand for all customers so that they get what they need. And that means building an exceptional customer experience. That means creating an exceptional support experience. And a lot of this technology doesn't even exist yet. This is what we have to build as an industry. And so the writing is on the wall. There is a demand for this top tier experience. And there is a technology, a systems and tools gap for meeting that requirement. So I think whoever can kind of bridge that gap easily, I think is going to win. And I think with the evolution of AI and GPT and all of its functionalities, I think we're seeing some things, but you still can tell this is a bot. I'm talking to a bot. But at some point, like what I was telling you earlier today is you'll be able to download my brain in an LLM and what I would say, and then that will be able to be your digital CSM. And that's what I'm trying to solve for. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but we need to be able to scale, not just the customer success manager, but scale the full experience the whole journey, as well as the destination. Tell me a little bit more about the digital customer success team at Gong. What's the type of customer that you're looking to serve? What's the scale of this effort? Tell me more. Yeah, I mean, it's still like very nascent and it's continuously evolving. It started out as being a digital customer journey for all customers. Then it went to certain segments, different personas. And then we realized, oh my gosh, everybody is trying to create a digital customer experience. And so there was a governance that just baseline governance needed to happen. We can't send out 10 emails to a person every week. That's against our own policies. So I think it's really important to collaborate with teams on that. But right now we're still continuing to scope it out. But mostly it is the long tail. You know, one of our operating principles is favor the long term. It's how do we look as far into the future as possible and build solutions for the long term? And I love to say favor the long tail as a play in that. 
is favoring the long term means favoring the long tail. Because if you can build a model that works well for this segment of the business, that will inevitably translate for the rest. So that's where we're starting is from the long tail customer. You have worked at some of the best companies of our industry. What do you think it takes to build a successful company in software today? It's so competitive. Building software has gotten a lot easier. And yet it's really hard to build a long-standing, durable company. Tell me more about what your observations and perspectives are on how to do that. I think it comes down to making sure that there is actually opportunity in the market for that, that there's a gap that you're trying to fill. And so a lot of times people start companies because they themselves have experienced something. And sometimes that's enough. But you really need to be able to understand that, yes, this is like an intrinsic problem and I have an easy solution that is easy to scale and for people to like quickly use. I think people are often looking for low cost solutions that are kind of a quick fix. So I think if you can start small and then build bigger, you know, start as a, a tool or a plugin and then end up becoming a platform. I think that's really helpful. I don't think people is important, making sure that you've got the right people early. I think especially at a startup company, you need a lot of generalists. You need people. And I would say that I'm a generalist because I was in consulting, because I built marketing, because I built sales, because I built customer success. That's very valuable. And so kind of being a generalist, but also a lifelong learner. I will tell you what I did yesterday morning on Sunday morning for three hours. I did four things. I picked up the New York Times. I read it cover to cover. I baked breakfast muffins that I'd never baked before, brand new, never done it. And I also did a little bit of improvisation because I think that's important. And that's what happens in life. Nothing's going to be perfect. I don't have all the ingredients. And I did that all while simultaneously listening to two different master classes in the background. And so I always want to be learning and having those inputs. And then after that, I turned everything off and I was quiet and I meditated for a little bit. Well, I needed to let that sink in, but it's so important to have that. So anyway, having the right people, I believe in running as lean as possible, as long as possible, and as flat as possible, as long as possible, because you don't want layers. There's no point in layers. Nobody gets value from layers. You should have so much transparency. And then, of course, just making sure that you don't get so focused on, you know, I know that we've always been startups are always growth at all costs and get that customer base first. I do think that that's really important, but also funds are becoming a lot more. They are looking now more at metrics, like what's your CAC? What's your LTE? Like really understanding that and showing progression, I think, is also important so that you can continue to get funding. So if you have some of those early customers, then it's not going to scale. You don't worry about scale now. Worry about doing the unscalable things. And then once you get the traction, then figure out how to scale later. Thank you so much. Well, now I've got to ask you for a peer nomination. So this is somebody that you really admire and respect that you'd love to hear as a guest on this podcast. So who would you nominate as your peer nomination? I am nominating Jane Menio, who is the head of customer marketing here at Gong. We started on the same day almost three years ago, and she's built an amazing department and has worked on so many wonderful things at Gong and then also in her previous role at On24. And so I do think it's so important to have a partner in crime, especially somebody that's not in the same division as you, 
to help make your dreams a reality. I don't think that Gong would look like what it is today. I don't think our community would look like what it is today. I don't think any of our customer experiences that we have today would be possible without Jane. So I'm so excited for you to chat and learn from her, Sunny, and for your audience too as well. Well, thank you for the nomination. And Jane, hopefully we will get you on the podcast in the near future. Looking forward to it. Okay, last thing that we do is we do a rapid fire round. I ask you a bunch of A or B questions and you give me the honest truth as you see it. All right, first question is, are you a coffee person or a tea person? Coffee. Okay, cats or dogs? Dogs. Morning person, night person? Night person. Okay, books or movies? Movies. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Why not? Okay, very progressive. Last question is, what is your favorite Slack emoji? Avocado dancing. Dancing avocado. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Excellent. That's a great way to end. Well, thank you, Nisha, for coming on the Pure Bound podcast. Loved hearing your journey and your perspectives, given the companies that you worked on, the things that you've done, building communities for all of them. I'm sure our listeners will love this episode. And thank you again. Thank you, Sunny. I really had a great time. 